Hey, what's going on, my friends? Dr. Drill with the Making Motivation Podcast. It's almost uh, 8 p.m., 7.48 to be exact, on the 23rd? I believe it's the 23rd of March. Fucking sensor on my right front, front end. All these computerizations with vehicles these days, they're awesome, and they're also dumb. Okay? Not to complain about shit. Had a pretty good day here. Full day, busy day. Helped a bunch of people. That always feels great, man. God, I love to freaking help people. I love to learn things. To the point where I think I'm going to hang up a board, like a whiteboard in my office, um, my main adjustment room. What's going on here? Looks like some power is out here at the pavilion. Hope everything's okay. Wendy's is... Lights are on. No problem. Hmm. So, uh... As I egress from the office here down White's Road, say hi to my friend Coop on nice days. I give a little... (laughs) She does it back. Her and her husband Chuck. Good people. Um, Okay, so... I love to learn new things. I love stories. I love interesting shit. And I want to, I have a real desire to learn new stuff. It just freaking fascinates me. It keeps things interesting as well. Who the hell wants to, you know, have everything figured out by midlife? A lot of people do think they've got it figured out, but they really don't. I think that um, that's the reality is that. Many of us, and I talk to people all the time about how, oh my, that's, they're frustrated about dealing with their parents or dealing with folks who are a little bit older. A lot of times because, and the problem with parents, frankly, is that they raised us. So they saw us grow up from little bitty babies when they were so fragile and depended upon them. And they took care of us, and so they, they know better. I mean, I feel the same way about my children. They depend upon me. I've been where they're at right now, growing up in their teens and all the emotions and all the experiences they've had. I've had them, or I, and I remember them well enough that I, I'd like to try to guide them <clears throat> to help them avoid any sort of problems that might arise. If I could, you know, we want to teach, teach your children well. All that. Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young, my friends. But anyway, I don't want to fucking have everything figured out, nor do I believe that I have everything figured out by 46 years of age. But a lot of people talk shit like they have, like they they got it all freaking squared away. No worries. Like this turd taking their sweet-ass time pulling out of the gas station. Why don't you put your pedal to the metal there, Peter? It's raining cats and dogs on us right now. It has all day, and that's fine, because April showers bring May flowers. Now it's not April yet, but we're getting there. Springtime is coming, and I couldn't be happier about that. We've had some beautiful, beautiful, beautiful days. Don't want to get off track here. So, as I was saying, I love to learn. I love the encounters I have with people. So I want to put a whiteboard in my office and so I can write down the things that I learned. I'll keep them anonymous. 
I won't put patient names or anything like that, but I'll write just in bullets. Uh, for instance, I talked to a uh, new patient today was a nurse in, in, in ER, and she was talking about how she used to work in hospice, and she used to work in, before that, she was in the entertainment, um, you know, like hotel restaurant management, she did that for a long time and enjoyed that, and at some point she was inspecting different hotels to, you know, try to maintain a standard, and that's what she would do, she went all over the, the world, it sounds like, and inspecting hotels for uh, maintenance of standards. So that's interesting. And we talked about the hospitality careers and how everyone should have the opportunity to be a a dishwasher and a short order cook and a a chambermaid and a fucking waiter, bartender, all that shit. Because you you experience people fully. Now, I've talked in the past about some of my formative years and the jobs that I've had. I was one of the first jobs I had, aside from being a... um, newspaper boy for the Asbury Park Press. I My first job was washing dishes in Italian restaurants, Signori's Italian restaurants, long gone, Lacey, uh, Lacey Road in New, uh, New Jersey, town of Lacey. Anyway, who, what the fuck do you care, right? I washed dishes. It was dirty work. It was hard work. You're sweating through your freaking clothes. You're opening up uh, dishwashers. You're... you're scrubbing pots that need to be handed um, with perfect uh, uh, you know, completely sanitized carbon free food free pans like uh, saute pans that you need to hand to the, the chef so that he can continue to cook all that shit <clears throat> she was in the hospitality industry now she's a nurse in the ER she's talking about how she likes her schedule the things that she she likes about nursing things. She hates about it. She said all nurses are bitches, and they always complain about the other nurses in different departments, and telling me why. That's interesting. And she was a real human being. So she was talking shit. She was funny. She was humorous. She um, we had a great conversation. Hit it off very well. And I talked to a guy who is a teacher. Actually, is a. Um, a disciplinarian in the Philly school district. So he's the guy who, like, you know, truant officer, handles problems uh, with students and with parents. Why are my kids not doing well in school? Uh, kids got a behavior problem. This is what the actions we took. Can you please support us? Parents, fuck you. No, fuck you. Um, so he's saying that in his K-8 through school that he is the, um, let's say, a principal at, or a vice principal. There are 30 staff on on uh, the scene at this time, and there are two students that are showing up. So he's talking about is this COVID, or does it have something to do with the uh, the issues that the school has with asbestos and sewage issues and all this stuff, basic facilities stuff that that was a problem before the pandemic and communities were not happy about the school don't want to send their kids back and so that's a problem we need to get these kids back to school and make them know that they're safe and sound and and cleanly environment and conducive to learning so can't have two kids in school another teacher came in and corroborated that story 
So that's interesting. Then as far as what I'm learning, today I talked to a guy who's probably in his 50s. He's been working in the concrete uh, you know, paving and highway department business for a long time. To the point now, he like goes around and inspects. So I said, you know, what, what about this? You know, tell me about potholes. You know, tell me about the different roads. People always complain about the roads. And I'm sure there's a lot more to it than uh, people think. So tell me about that. And he explained that uh, New York and Pennsylvania are known for having the worst roads. And the reason why that is is not because the highway departments are shitty or whatever. It's because our thaw, there's that fucking sensor. Our, our um, freeze-slash-thaw cycles are so um, narrow. I mean, it could be... So, they're so abrupt. They're so aggressive. There could be... It could be uh, 28 degrees in the morning and in the afternoon it could be 50 and so, our experiencing the four seasons, especially, um, and especially this time of year, like the winter, it could be freezing cold and then warm. It happens quick enough. So what happens is, anybody who knows anything about rock and uh, ice, ice expands or water expands when it freezes into ice, and so that can—it's very powerful. So if there's any, like, air holes or crevices in the road, which, of course, there's countless crevices in any highway or road, the water will get in there, and it'll freeze, and it'll thaw, and it'll freeze again, and it'll thaw. It just tears the roads up. So can you imagine that on a microscopic level? I'm saying that he didn't, but think about that. Um, ice Water is one of the only substances that when it's frozen... It changes into a solid and it expands. So the freeze-thaw cycles are so dramatic here on the eastern seaboard, especially in PA and New York, that it fucks up the roads. Now, we talk about other things in terms of... um, I said, well, what's the compositional road? I said, I, I saw a video one time how they take plastic bottles and plastic trash, basically... And they incorporate that into the mixture that they'll put some gravel in there and then um, they'll add that. So that's then embedded in the roads. It's locked into the roads. Um, and he's, uh, he goes, yeah, there's a lot of that that happens. He goes, because bottles, plastic is petroleum product. So it's okay. I said, oh, that's interesting, you know. Uh, because um, you think about asphalt... He goes, the majority of, or 30% of the mixture that goes into making asphalt, like the black stuff that you see, you know, it's a a steamroller rolling over, they lay it down, they grade the road, they lay it down, um, the the asphalt, and then they fucking roll over the steamroller. He said that when they do that, an inspector like him will do a core sample, and they'll send it to the lab. And the lab will verify that it's got this type of particulates and this different sizes. So a five millimeter stone versus a you know really fine stone like a, like sand almost. And then there's the the petroleum component, which is like the tar. And he said that he explained that that's really a lot of like melted down tires and tires, the rubber from tires. Uh, you know, there's some rubber in tires, but a lot of it is 
like a composite plastic that, um, you know, it's a petroleum product. You take petroleum and you can make various things with it. You know, uh, I don't know if you knew this, but petroleum uh, is a hydrocarbon. So chemically, it's a bunch of carbons and, and hydrogen. So it's just carbon, carbon, carbon bonded together, carbon molecules bonded together, and then it's, it's got hydrogens that are like little branches that pop off. And hydrogen molecules will bond to that carbon, hence hydrocarbons. Uh, you can burn these as fuel. They contain a lot of energy. So anyway, plastic you can take and make into a variety of things. From petroleum, you can make a lot of shit. Uh, tires are a petroleum product. So you melt that down. 30% of the uh, the asphalt mixture is those melted tires, petroleum essentially. It creates a tar-like liquid component. Then you add the different grades of sand and stone. And then you've got this kind of like a mortar, a mixture, asphalt. Blacktop, hardtop, macadam. Put that down, you roll over with steam with a... Uh, steamroller <clears throat> and he said he explained that when you I don't know if you knew this but when you lay down that asphalt and you roll over it there's a very specific way technique to do that because you don't want to be pushing um, I said is it like rolling a rolling pin and dough he goes well it's kind of like that but you don't want to be pushing the asphalt before the <clears throat> before the steamroller. You want to be rolling on top of it. That's why it's a big steel wheel. And I think there's there's steam in there. And it's hot, so yeah, steam, gaseous water. So you get a big hot roller, hence a steamroller, and you just press that asphalt down as it's being laid. So you get a nice smooth surface that has minimal air pockets. Now, there's always going to be air pockets, he explained, but not, you don't want big ones because then the water can get in there and other shit, but the water gets in there and freezes, it's going to fuck that up. It's going to break the road up, and then you experience these potholes. So that's what's happening. You can imagine uh, water uh, falling or snow and then just that harsh environment of the winter uh, gets in those water gets in those little crevices, turns to ice, the ice expands, it pops all these little crevices out, um, and cracks and potholes and all that shit. So extremely interesting. I learned a bunch uh, about these projects. He also explained that there's a lot more that goes into uh, building a highway or a bridge. That The reason why it takes so long is because there's a lot of standards. And he said that PennDOT, which I guess is the uh, Pennsylvania Department of Transportation. They've got standards that there are set. This is how you, you make a road. They figure it all out. This is the standards and the specs that a road needs to be built by. And he's got like a 5,000-page book or something that he had to test on. And he knows all this shit. And he goes and inspects. So very freaking cool. I learned that. I love to learn about shit like that. So next time somebody complains about the roads... Listen, you fucking idiot. I know, I agree the same way. I'm passing a pothole, a pair of potholes right now that I hit or I have to avoid every day coming to and from work. So I don't like those little ruts in the road. And if you hit a big enough pothole, it could fuck you up. 
almost send you careening off the road, so, and it can fuck your car up, so I don't want, I don't like that, but now that I'm informed, I think it's really interesting, I also asked him about a concept that I came up with, whereby you take, you find a big pothole, and you find a method, like, uh, inspired by uh, foam insulation, there's a spray foam insulation, it's called Great Stuff, you will spray it in, um, let's say a crack in the in the in your house. <clears throat> let's say you find that there's a mouse in there, or there's a draft coming through there. Rodents are getting gaining access to your house, or your attic. You spray this foam insulation in there and expands, and then it solidifies. So can we make some foam insulation like that, but out of something that really hardens, uh, like a, an epoxy or a fiberglass? And he said, well, there is something like that right now. We have a truck that goes around, and they have really, really fine particulates. So imagine, like, sand or, like, a powder, a real, real fine sand. And then they add the liquid component, and it's it's hard, and it's um, they just go, and they squirt it into these potholes. Now, they're not doing as much as they could, as far as I've, I've seen. They should be able to go over a pothole and, and go, squirt it in there, and then run some chemical process or a heat gun or something over it, and it should be patched. Now, obviously, it's not going to do the, you know, the asphalt perfectly, but I think it's something that's worth considering. So that I learned a lot there. Okay, the nurse, the, the friggin' highway guy. Um, the teacher, I talked to a patient this evening, and I might have mentioned this uh, a month ago or more, a friend of mine, he's Russian, All right, so he's from like Uzbek, Uzbekistan or something like that, so he's mar- getting married, and he, I think it's like an arranged marriage or at least a, a distance sort of thing, so he met this Russian bride online, and been talking with her, communicating every day, and they kind of developed this relationship, and then they met. So he flew there and stayed for a month. Within three days, he met her, they went on their first date, and then the third day, he proposed to her. And it's just like something that is done, I guess, and he's cool with it, and he said, I said, what is something, an adventure that you had while you were there? in, you know, Uzbekistan, let's say. He goes, oh, well, it was an adventure dealing with her parents because they were stressed uh, about, you know, just meeting me and then giving their daughter away. So, okay, well, I would be too, you know. Apparently she's going to be here within, you know, by the fall perhaps, uh, but they have to operate like they have until then. So some aspiring immigrants, he's here, he works his ass off, I take care of him, he's getting married, I can't wait to meet his wife, I'm sure she's a nice person, so different, it's not something I would ever do, but different strokes for different folks, I wish them all the light and love, wonderful, dude also said, so he went home, and I was like, dude, I think we need to take x-rays, so he went, he's like, ah, oh, they're too expensive here, and insurance doesn't really cover them, I have a deductible, uh, I'll get them when I go home, 
I can just walk into a clinic for $15. He went and got an MRI, cervical, thoracic, and lumbar. Talking about uh, how national um, health insurance is, is a sham, isn't something that we should do. Ridiculous. Guy's got fucking reports. He's got um, little uh, images, like a little, little MRI uh, studies, the actual studies. They're, t- they're small, so it's hard to see, but um, demonstrating his anatomy. How crazy is that? That here we got to fucking bend over, take it in the butt just to get a, an x-ray or an MRI. I have to justify everything to the insurance company. He walks in, 15 bucks. He said it's $15 a series or something. So neck, mid, back, low back. He said he fell asleep in there. He was in there for forever getting these images done. But there's an interesting example of how... Um, Maybe we ought to fucking take some cues off of these other countries that have uh, nationalized health care. Because he has a, can't say he doesn't have access to care, right? <sighs> this is another thing that comes to mind. Listen, I, I got to tell you a um, little, little uh, interlude here. I haven't been cutting my podcast for the past week. Uh, I think I did one in like the past week, which is, I usually do them every day. Um, I guess I've been a little down the dumps, a little bit bummed out. I had a little bit of a shitty week last week as, I don't know, fucking daylight savings time I feel was really screwing people up with their schedules, but for whatever reason, people were missing their appointments I would start the week with this gigantic schedule where I couldn't fit people who would be texting or emailing or calling into the office. I couldn't get them on the schedule. And they wanted, you know, to get care, and I wanted to serve them. And I'm like, oh, we're so busy, I can't see, I'm sorry. But then these none of these fuckers showed up. Like two days in a row, we had like of 20 on the schedule, we had like six that didn't show up at all. And they're like, oh, oh, sorry, uh, I didn't take a shit. You know, something stupid like that. Yeah, that's not real, but, you know, something like that. One guy, he was doing a scratch-off. He won $300 sitting in a Wawa parking lot. Should have been in my office. Should have kept his appointment. Instead, he shows up a half hour late and inconveniences a bunch of other people. That pissed me off. So there's a lot of that going on. I'm trying to figure out how this is happening. Is it something internal? Uh, were they scheduled properly? Is it my fault? Are they taking my care for granted? Is it daylight savings time? I'm not superstitious, but I definitely think that daylight savings time fucks a lot of people up. So just that change. And even you can have overcast days sometimes. That'll throw people off their schedule. We had a couple either cancel or miss somebody missed an appointment today. The weather can bump people out and take them off mission. So... That's why, anyway, that I have not been doing my podcast. And then I just had some residuals from that. But otherwise, life's been good. Family's good. Family's healthy. I feel positive and optimistic about the world. I've been helping people as usual. I carved some wood um, over the weekend. I had a uh, 11-hour 
seven-on-seven tournament in Philadelphia on a beautiful day. I walked uh, an accumulative seven miles or 16,000-something steps around this uh, sports complex and just took in the sights and sounds and watched my son play, and they won the whole friggin' tournament. It was great. So life is good. I just wasn't feeling inspired, and I, I started many a podcast, and I got maybe 10 minutes in, and I'm like, do I really have anything interesting to say? Oh my God, spring peepers. You hear that? Fucking A. I love it. Spring peepers, or cicadas, or whatever you are, welcome. Welcome spring. So, I'm back. Now, a couple more things before I pull into my house. Something interesting, completely random, but I observed the other day. Uh, My wife said this phrase. It's like at the end of a long day or something, you're just happy to be home. You're like, shit, fuck, damn hell. So what I find interesting about that statement, first of all, not something you'd expect. If you knew my wife, you'd expect that to come out of her mouth. But she does like profanity, even though she's prim and proper and is otherwise like a straight lacer. She'll say that if she's had a rough day or at the end of a long week. <sighs> Shit, fuck, damn hell. Like, I'm glad the day's over with. I'm glad we're at the weekend now. So she got that from me. That's a phrase that I use, but I can't take credit. My squad leader from back in the Marine Corps day 25 years ago name was Willie Jean Whitehurst he's currently I believe in jail somewhere in Texas he was up to no good running drugs or something like that once upon a time he was a phenomenal Marine good guy took care of me taught me some things funny as hell but he would say that he'd be like man shit fuck damn hell we gotta do what we got to be out, draw weapons at 5 o'clock tomorrow morning. We got to hump out to the range 10 miles. You know, shit, fuck, damn hell. So, Willie Jean Whitehurst got that from God knows where. I adopted it. My wife meets me 17 years ago and picks up that language from me. Isn't that interesting that there's a little ism, a little language... Uh, you know, part of speech that that I will ascribe to, and then give that to somebody else. And never, like, if you're married or if you're, you know, whatever, you got close friends or whatever you're in a relationship, you you start to act like one another. But how interesting is that? That 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 phrase can be tracked to Willie Jean Whitehurst, 1994, Camp Lejeune, North Carolina. I got a lot of Whitehurstisms. Uh, story I tell about Willie, uh, we would be on, on ship, and I've said this before, I think, but another Whitehurstism. He would say, um, he would he would come down out of the shower into our little birthing, which is like a, a room where we all slept and lived and all that shit. And we had these racks, these hammocks that basically were one on top of the other, canvas hammocks, three or four uh, stacked high, and that's how we would sleep. And it was kind of down in a hole, the birthing. is like a little hidey hole that you can lock off and seal off 
uh, all the compartments on the ship, all the rooms and shit, they can all be watertight and closed down. Let's say that there would be a, a breach, you know, a torpedo hits the ship. You got to be able to lock off all these different compartments. So our little area where we lived was like a little hole. And you climb down the ladder, and he come down there, and there's Whitehurst at the bottom of the stairs. He was a squad leader, so he got his spot right there. And he would be naked. Now, nothing was sacred as a Marine, so we, he'd, we'd come out of the shower, he'd towel off, dry off. He'd be naked there, and he always had a washcloth. He'd put it on top of his head. Or maybe he'd have his wave cap on. Uh, which is an African-American, I think, that's supposed to give your hair a certain texture or something. So he had this washcloth on his head, and he no towel on, just sitting there, and he'd powder his balls. He'd take the powder, he'd put it in his hand, and he'd cup his balls, and he'd kind of dance them around a little bit. And he looked at, I wasn't gazing his meat. You couldn't help but see the shit. And we're all sitting right there playing cards nine times out of ten anyway. So he'd come down and talk like it was nothing, and, you know, get dressed and all that. So one guy, friend of mine, Nun, he goes, Whitehurst, Corporal Whitehurst, you're a skinny motherfucker. And he goes, yeah, I'm a skinny motherfucker with a fat ass dick. <laughs> Everybody just exploded fucking laughing. The sort of shit that I remember so well. So he taught me that phrase. Imagine Willie Jean Whitehurst powdering his balls, saying, shit, fuck, damn hell, dancing his nuts around. And I picked that up because it's just a glorious statement um, and a great affirmation, like at the end of a long, hard day. Shit, fuck, damn hell. And then my wife picks it up and she's saying it. I don't think she repeats it, uh, but who knows? Maybe she repat- passed it on to somebody else and they'll, they'll carry on that little bit of language. How crazy is that? So, that's pretty much what I got to say for today. Just a conglomeration of stories and learning points. I am going to put that whiteboard up. I'm most certainly going to record the things that occur and ideas that come to mind. Because in order to have a good idea, you got to have a lot of them, right? Finally, I'm going to say something about the news. I try not to watch the news because it's just always so negative, and of course, with the pandemic, it's been just Groundhog Day with, you know, we've all been through that, right? We don't need to be reminded about how bad it has been, or who got sick, or who died. We all have that on our mind, on some level, even subconsciously, so dealing with this nonsense, you know? Um, but the news is, is, you know, rarely good. And then the pol- all the political shit around the election, it sucks, man. And some, we got another mass shooting this week, two in the past each past week, a couple of weeks, we got two of these mass shootings. Some guy shot up a massage parlor, and there's all this Asian, you know, discrimination. People, I guess, are discriminating uh, <clears throat> against uh, Asians because... Uh, of the coronavirus's origin in apparently China. Folks are calling the Kung Flu, and I even did early on. I mean no disrespect and hold nothing against the Chinese. I love everyone. I honestly do. And sometimes things are funny, and sometimes things are facts. If this is the origin of the place, if it was the American, if, if it, 
the virus originated in America, then we'd call it the fucking U.S. virus or something like that. I don't know. But anyway, not be, not uh, defending the behavior, but somebody shot up a massage parlor, a bunch of Asian people, some uh, people of other nationalities, white people, and so on and so forth. There's all this like back and forth about black, white, Asian, you know, our identities and what we look like and where we're from. And people are just at odds with one another. It's really a shame because there's some wonderful human beings out there. Just wonderful. Speaking of a good friend of mine, every year this time, it seems like it happens, like, seems like it happens happens so frequently, but it's every every year she will share a, uh, a video. Her husband passed her, um, 10 years ago, 15 years ago. He was my judo, jiu-jitsu sensei. We were really good friends. Um, and he just died young, man. It's a shame because he was a great, great guy. Had such an impact on a lot of people. And he was somebody that I that I remember forever, and there are lessons that he imparted to me that made me a better human being. There are things that he that I adopted of his philosophies and physical, and mental, emotional things, stories, you know, in a similar way to Willie Jean, but you know, a little bit more politically correct. He's just a good fucking guy. He was my sensei, and sometimes I feel like it's something out of a movie, like when Van Damme, Jean-Claude Van Damme, uh, Bloodsport, he had like Shidoshi, some some guy who had taught him the way, and all the martial arts and all that shit, and then he dies, and everything is to honor him. This is guy is like my, my Shidoshi, my sensei, my teacher, and a great guy, so his wife always shares uh, something about him, his passing, and that people remember him forever, and he was a hero to a lot of people, and so it was, um, uh, forget the pop singer, but Julio Iglesias Jr., Enrique Iglesias, singing, my hero, Uh, I can be your hero, baby, I can take away your pain, oh yeah, he was that guy meant a lot to a lot of people, but while he's alive, you know, you see it, you know it, but it's most marked, it's most, it's best noticed uh, post-mortem, you know, when somebody, you don't have him to lean on anymore, or to teach you, or to be there when you show up for uh, judo class, you don't have him around anymore, it's physicality, but I always feel like I'm comforted knowing people and remembering them and honoring their memory by telling a story about them or by just silently, quietly honoring them in my own way, remembering them. And so every year, my friend Audrey posts this video and other things about him, pictures of him. I just love the guy. I had a man crush on the guy. He was just such a fucking alpha male, such a good guy, family man, said he loved being married. He loved teaching martial arts. I was his first student out of his garage. And then he started a dojo and had many students and helped a lot of people. And just a lot of people felt the same way I did about him. And so 
anyway, my point is a lot of great people out there, and to you got to remember, you got to think about them and honor them and 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 recognize them for what they are while they're here and after afterward, because. <clears throat> You know, we can be impactful. There's a lot of tremendous human beings out there. And we interact with them every day. We need to tell them that how we feel about them. Or at least ponder the impact that they've had in our lives. And so when I see all this shit on the news about mass shootings and political strife and uh, just all the divisive crap, I cannot believe that this is something that we even... that is um, is so popular that it's so polarized right now because we have so much to live for and so much to be thankful for. It's stupid, this shit. But I see things. The one thing that caught my eye today was this Sidney Powell. All right. Now, I try, again, I try not to watch politics or news and all that. A lot of negative shit. But this skank was a lawyer for Trump after he lost the election and claimed, made all kinds of outrageous claims about voter suppression and how this voting um, machine, like the, the technology, the voting machine itself, the voting machines that would tally the, the digital votes and whatever the machinery is behind that. Forget the voting system. something Liberty voting system, let's say we call that. Get that. She slandered them, okay? She said all, made all kinds of claims about how they were fucking in cahoots with Venezuela, a communist nation, and that they cooked the books on the election and gave it to Biden, and that they fucked the numbers, skewed the numbers on purpose, and this whole conspiracy shit. And now, this voting, Dominion voting systems, they're, they're, now they're suing her ass because um, defamation. And they've got a lot of evidence to this effect. She's saying, her lawyers that are now defending her are saying that the reason why she's innocent is because nobody in their right mind could believe the fucking nonsense that she was spewing. So she's basically saying that that was all bullshit and uh, I'm innocent because nobody should believe that because it's dumb and it's unbelievable. It's... and. Therefore, you can't prosecute me. Negative, you are being prosecuted. You're a fucking liar. And you wanted to try to overturn an, the actual uh, legit results of an election. You questioned the whole fucking thing. And you made very pointed accusations about the theft of an election in support of Donald Trump. Who's a fucking scumbag. And you're a scumbag if you're the type of person who lies like that and thinks that 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 the American legal system would somehow have your back and support you or find your arguments that you're innocent reasonable. You're a fucking loser, and you sold out your country. It's treasonous, the shit you pulled. I don't want to hear about... It's the same with the people who went down there, some cop and some... Uh, 
some other d- dickwad, all these people that went down there and try and stormed the Capitol building, talking about they're going to bring people to justice, and they got flex cups, and they got erecting nooses and gallows and shit like that, and that they're going to, you know, find Pence and find Pelosi and do this, sh- kick your feet up on their desk and go through their mail because they're the American taxpayer, and they they pay taxes, therefore they can go and march into the, invade the capital, their own capital, overthrow the government. <clears throat> fucking scumbags. Now they all say, well, Trump told me to do it. If your fucking friend told you to jump off a bridge, would you do it? You fucking idiots. You're so stupid. And we look like a bunch of fucking dopes in this country. See, the thing is we know better. When there's people out there like my fucking sensei Chris, you know, who's out there, who was a good man, and helped a lot of people, and was sensible, and just so on and so forth, man. Just a good dude. Just had his shit together. Or my friend, the concrete guy, or my friend, the nurse. These people aren't, you know, my sensei, he was not a a flawless guy. He was not without um, flaw. He was not uh, perfect in any sense. But he he did his best. You know what I mean? And he made a difference. You got people out there that are living like this, that are saying just stupid shit. They're making the world... They're, they're not making the world a better place. You know when you can... The best compliment you can give to somebody is to say, you know what? You... I love you. You know, you're a wonderful person. I'm thankful you're in my life. You make the world a better place. How kind is that? How how good must that feel to be the recipient of that kind of um, compliment? And you got people that are at the far end of the spectrum. They'll just do anything for personal gain. They don't care who they step on or fuck over. That's a terrible way to be, man. And it's inexcusable. So don't be that guy. Okay? Or gal. Alright, this is my first podcast back. I'll, I'll be more prolific in the days to come. Huh! <laughs>